episode seven of Strange Brow Radio. I'm your host, Tobe Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. It's around March 1st when we did this this episode, this recording. And today you're going to hear a conversation between me and a couple of friends from the field. So I'll tell you more about that in a second. But we have to talk about the sponsor, Feral by Aaron at Etsy.com. It's important to mention the algorithms have changed at Etsy. So if you can go on to Feral by Aaron, E-R-Y-N, and check out the beautiful shaman-inspired drums, rattles, smudge sticks. There's new inventory in there and new algorithms. So that means if you could dig into the website and just check out the little heart icon and give those beautiful items a click, that'll help out the sponsor, help out us in return. So check out Feral by Aaron at Etsy.com. Okay, today's guest coming in, Charles Howard from East Washington Paranormal and Scientist Henry Franzoni. It's one hell of a conversation. We'll be right back. As I was saying before, we have a, I said a potpourri, it's more like a peppering of paranormal conversations here. We'll go through all of the P words here. Um, You know, this was a a conversation that was dancing around the poltergeist situations, uh, especially ones that Charles Howard is a part of out of Spokane, Washington. He's an active investigator, him and his wife actually. And there's a team of people up there. Now, you have these teams uh, all over the world. It's become, you know, a cultural thing to do, which is reminiscent of what happened in the spiritual movement of the early 1900s and late 1800s. But uh, the technology has obviously come quite far. So we talk about Charles' use of things like the K2 meter and uh, we go into some other devices that he uses there to, you know, interact with uh, the unknown. And what is the unknown? That's where Henry Franzoni comes in. And Henry is a, a fantastic, underutilized voice when it comes to the subject matter of unknown energetic energy fields and how to interact with them. Now, I met Henry through his book, The Spirit of Siatka, which uh, really was a groundbreaking book that talked about place names in relationship to the paranormal. Place names being places where you look on a map, uh, for example, and see a word like devil or spirit or wendigo or even sasquatch. And those would be the names where you might have an encounter with the supernatural. So I'll let Henry explain all that a whole lot better than I ever could. And Charles and him kind of enter into the conversation here uh, after my introduction lightly to them. And then we did have an abrupt exit after about 50 minutes or so. So I'll sit back with you along and listen in to Charles Howard and author Henry Franzoni. 
Well, Charles, what's going on in the world of ghost hunting? I know that you've been active. I, right. I've looked at just, your posts. Just trying to get our, our little group going, get cases in. That's the hard part is finding places to, uh, to let us go investigate. Um, we're hopefully going to go to the Jameson Hotel in Wallace and go and investigate there sometime but right now we're just kind of trying to get our facebook page going uh get some more cases well how do people uh, find, how do you get cases describe like an average case and how the, how a file comes to you how does someone reach uh, out to charles and his group and uh we're, we're trying your group too. we're trying to use social media more for that that cause but a lot of it's up until lately been word of mouth hey i know a friend that has something that you might be interested in, but we're trying to get the uh, Facebook and all the other social media uh, more active. So hopefully get some more cases. So people reach out to you via your website as well. And they, are they anonymous usually, or do they, do uh, they vary? I think uh, usually the people have been very forthcoming with their names. So far, it's not been, hey, don't mention my name too much anyway. Mm -hmm. I guess we have a couple times over the years, but um, every once in a while, we'll have a client that says, hey, let's keep this confidential. And of course, we abide by that. And okay. fit, hold, uh, that hold that thought, okay. Charles. Hey, Henry, can you hear me okay? I just became able to hear you. Henry, uh, Charles Howard is on the line from, Charles, is it from the Dallas area that you're at? Uh, Spokane. Okay, Spokane. And then, okay. and then Charles Howard, this is Henry Franzoni. Hi, and Henry. Nice to meet you. Henry, where are you at? Deer Island, Oregon. Oh, you're off of Deer Island. Okay, yeah, I know where you are. All right. Henry, have you ever, I was going to ask Henry, pose him a question here, you know, as far as, you know, spirit forms manipulating energy and, um, you know, you have a, a background in, in talking about Sasquatch as far as I'm concerned, but uh, I know that you, you do other things outside of Bigfoot, a lot of other things. So what, what is your theory, Henry, on how, how the spirit world is able to manipulate energy i can make a guess the uh, the thing i think about energy is that we're all surrounded by energy that's faster than light and it completely surrounds this reality and it comes through this reality in the form of our awareness our awareness is actually a faster than light energy field passing through this reality our minds are actually this faster than light field of energy that's passing through here and dead people this field vibrates at a specific frequency and so every living organism on this plane of existence is vibrating at the exact same frequency their awareness is and their minds are and dead people 
are vibrating at a different frequency. But we're both in the same ether. We're both in the same ocean of energy. They're just a little faster or slower than us. Nothing really ever dies. It just goes faster or slower. That's my opinion. Mm -hmm. And electronic voice phenomenon, which is usually twice as fast as normal speech, which is why people record it and slow it down to understand it, is really, I wouldn't call it proof, but it strongly suggests that what I'm talking about is correct that dead people are just vibrating at a different frequency than us in terms of their awareness and their, their self. And that's what makes them be somewhere else and not here. But it's really close to here. That, that's basically what I think. You know, that's not really, that's not from the science textbook, of course. That's from Henry's Weird Mind. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, as far as being able to measure that, are you saying that's when, you know, as far as the EVPs, but we're also able to come out there with an EMF meter and take, you know, readings off of energy, you know, fields from when these things are are manifesting there? Could is that uh, point to your data set here too, Henry, or is that a whole different type of measurement when we're measuring? you know, an electromagnetic well, frequency. I bet it's related to my view of the world, my model of the universe. It's probably related to it. But um, in my model of the universe, nobody actually knows what energy is. Here and now, all the physicists, everything that's, that's the great unknown. No one knows what energy is. They all think that it's something like electrons and electromagnetic energy or photons and light energy or heat. You know, this is a world we live in that's all heat and light and physics. And yet I'm of the opinion, well, my model of the universe is such that all this energy that we see here is a secondary effect from what really is energy that is passing through this reality and the friction that it creates as it passes through matter gives rise to all the energy we see. Energy is really not even in this dimension, it's somewhere else. It's in a dimension inside this dimension. And when it comes through this dimension, the friction as it moves through here creates electromagnetic fields and magnetic fields and electrostatic fields and heat and light. That is not the standard model of physics, I should point out. But that's my view. So yeah, they're related, you know, like when one of these we're basically just balls of energy in our souls, our ourselves. That thing that's behind your eye is really a ball of energy that's not in this dimension. And you're not actually in this dimension. Your body's here, but you're not. And 
with dead people, their body's not here and they're not either. But yeah, so when they pass by, see, because they are basically balls of energy, you see secondary effects in this reality. You see electromagnetic fields and things, because that's when a ball of energy is actually passing by, but it's faster than light energy, and it's in a dimension within this dimension. It's not actually something you can touch and hold. So... I guess that, I don't know, you know, you asked, that's my well, opinion. You know? No, no, I, so you're saying that this friction point here is when manifestations are happening. Are you saying that, uh, you know, this point of energy where things are starting to manifest, let's take, for example, we were just talking about poltergeist yesterday uh, in Cottage Grove. And one of the, you know, anomalies that attach themselves to poltergeist activity um, is apportations where objects appear out of nowhere, um, you know, be it pennies or uh, rocks, whatever. They, they, they drop from the ceiling um, and they just appear. You know, it's just um, trying to figure out how to explain that to people um, scientifically. <laughs> is Pretty very tough. Difficult. I mean, this let alone trying to get anybody to believe you, but um, it's something that I've witnessed. Um, and is it something, have you ever witnessed anything like that, Henry, before? I've met some ghosts. I've definitely interacted with some ghosts, but um, I haven't seen anything like a penny appearing. I see a lot of things disappearing from time to time. You know, I, I kind of have a running joke around here that, you know, Bigfoot's taking my shit because I can't find anything half the time and it, it disappears and, you know, comes back suddenly. Um, I had one experience as a child where um, my father's best friend committed suicide. He was a priest, an Episcopalian priest. And one day we came home from church or no, I got that wrong. We were about to go to church on a Sunday one day. And my father said, man, I feel, I feel John Farrell. I feel John Farrell, who was, that was the name of his friend that killed himself. And right at that moment, I heard a big, um, like a shotgun blast in the living room. Bam. And I went in there and in the middle of the room on the floor were my dad's shoes. And we had been looking for his shoes all around. And they suddenly appeared in the middle of the living room floor with nothing near them. It was totally weird. And um, I've never explained it. That happened to me when I was 12 and I'm 62. So <laughs> I have never explained that, but it's stuck in my mind because, you know, these shoes just came out of nowhere. Charles and Go ahead, Henry. Sorry. Oh, I was just saying, and my father just happened to say that he felt John Farrell right at that moment. So as a kid, I was like, John Farrell visited and gave my dad his shoes. You know, like that's what I figured happened. Charles, what about you? Have you ever experienced uh, something like an apportation or, you know, what's the best uh, or uh, life-changing ghost experience you've had? Probably the, the highlight 
was uh, me and a, a fellow investigator went to this apartment and the couple agreed to let us do our investigation. They, they were gonna leave and they warned us that the spirit liked to open up their closet door in the hallway. And of course, you don't think much of it. You hear these stories all the time. So we said, okay, thank you. They left, they shut the door. We set our equipment down and almost on cue, the door opened by itself. And then this huge cold wave of energy enveloped both of us. So um, that happened right, uh, right in front of us. After we got over, over the shock, we shut the door and tried to walk up and down the hallway to make sure it wasn't some type of weight distribution that would cause it to pop open. We right. tried three or four different things and nothing the rest of the night. So that, that with the cold energy and the hair standing on, on end kind of made us think that it was something to do with energy as well. So that was pretty, pretty interesting. What do you think the link is between cold spots and ghost activity? I think it's their need for energy to manifest. They're draining all the energy they can. It must take a tremendous amount and they're, they're draining anything and everything they can. A lot of times your equipment fully charged will be drained within seconds. Mm -hmm. And I, I think it's them needing energy. Is that so what think, you go ahead, Charles? Sorry. So I think when you experience a cold spot like that, it's them draining the environmental energy. And Henry, is that your thought too? Is that these cold spots are just basically energy being resourced from one area to another? Like a I never uh, really thought about it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what would make cold really. No. But that sounds like a good theory. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, you know, I mean, there are similarities to what uh, Sasquatch behavior can do as far as electronics and, uh, you know, people that have energy drawn out of them. Um, right. They, you know, Sasquatch seems to exhibit some of the behaviors of poltergeist and ghosts Is there also uh, a connection to orbs in some cases right good point which brings me to my um to something here one of the features that we are able to do here on zoom is share video and audio so you both have the capability to do this by uh, using your mouse or your phone here to go down to the share button so what I want to do is share a, uh, a, a photograph that we took from the property up here in Port Orchard, Washington. Charles, you may have seen this. Okay. Uh, it was done in an area out in the forest behind the house where we have some strange going on. And um, I'm gonna go ahead and hit the share button here, see if we can pop this open. Let's see if it works. Okay, now do you guys see my computer? Yes. Okay. So I'm gonna bring up an image here. Henry, can you see my computer? Yeah. Okay, so this is a photograph here from about a month ago, and we call it the hockey puck. And uh, you know, it's a, it's a ghostly orbish type 
uh, photo that I took with my new iPhone. Um, you know, I remember seeing this object real briefly on the uh, camera lens as I squeezed off a flash photo in the woods. There's all sorts of anomalous stuff going on all around this area here, gifting, things disappearing, just uh, the usual stuff that we're kind of all used to. But I wasn't expecting to see something like this. Now, if I bring up the reverse image, let me see if I can bring that up. Let me try to cast that. Close this out. There it is. So you can see that it's uh, it's you know in the air. There's nothing attached to it. This is kind of a reverse image, and we can kind of zoom in in on it. Let me see if I can bring that down. But we, you know, this is a very anomalous thing. We can't explain it. I've shown it uh, to a couple of people, including a, a camera and video expert. Um, but, you know, it's a very odd shape for something to manifest in, um, you know, but if an orb is a spirit form, let's say that orbs are spirit forms manifesting in to something physical. That's their effort into something physical. Would it make sense that they would be something round and bright? I mean, where's the, is there any science, Henry, that says, you know, plasma is basic, plasma ball or something like that. It, of course it's round because of the molecular structure of what's happening there. Why, why orbs? Why not something like a light beam or, you know what I mean? Why balls of light? Any, I have any, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I have so, no idea. Really. Okay. Balls sure. of well, we, they're yeah. balls of energy. And I think that, you know, like I was telling you, I think we're balls of energy. And I think Sasquatch is a ball of energy. And I think all kinds of creatures are basically balls of energy. And I don't know, maybe that's one of them. You know, it's it's usually uh, something we can't see, but sometimes we can see those balls of energy. You know, we can see orbs. I'm sure you guys have seen orbs. Well, have you you seen them uh, before, Henry, with your own eye? Yeah. Okay. So describe what you saw. Um. They're in the mountain, in the Cascade Mountains, I saw a amber ball, glowing amber ball that was bright, about 30 feet across. Actually, I saw two of them once. Another time I saw one of them follow a ridge line from the lowest part to the highest part and it just stayed just above the trees and it followed the contours of the mountain really closely. And I just watched it float silently up and um, across from me and traverse the entire ridge. And another time I saw a couple of them, little ones. I mean, you see orbs all over the damn place. I've seen an orb on my back porch. Um, 
but and you guys would probably appreciate this. I find that if you have two infrared cameras and they're active infrared, meaning they actually project infrared light and then, you know, they're not passive infrared and they're not the same frequency. They're just off from each other. Like when you buy like a home security kit, the exact angstrom wavelength of the light coming out of the different cameras is going to be a little different from each other. I find that if you cross those beams and you have infrared, active infrared that is not the same frequency and you have two cross beams, you'll usually see an orb sooner or later in those beams. And it gave me the impression that they're always around and we only see them once in a while. But they're always there. So what I've just described to you is how to see orbs. <laughs> right. And they, there's a, a physical quality sometimes with them, although we don't really know that uh, you know, orb is present until we take a photograph generally speaking, but, um, you know, to see them in areas where there's heightened activity that's been reported, um, again, in Bigfoot areas, these flashes of light, mainly that look like little sparks, white sparks uh, in the wood, little, th these are what I'm familiar with, what look like almost, you know, like little arc welders going off in the bushes. But then you have these, mm -hmm. these mother loads, you know, these organic balls of light that hold consistently, generally white, that roll through the woods. And they seem, you know, uh, totally uh, conscious uh, to right. a degree. Um, yeah. Any thought? Yeah, like they're living, they're like living beings, aren't they? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I, I'm fascinated by orbs and, um, I've seen tiny little blue orbs an inch across in a park in Portland in the middle of the city. And I've seen, you know, foot wide amber orbs and 30 foot wide amber orbs and six inch wide white orbs, blue, white, and amber. I've seen a lot of different orbs, a lot of different places. And I'm coming, you know, my model of the universe that I've had to make to explain this to myself is that the big 30-foot ones are the um, default form of Bigfoot, and the little one-foot ones are the default form of the little people. That's my guess about it. But yeah, you know, since Bigfoot's actually just a ball of energy, and so are all these other creatures, they appear as orbs. That's their default formation or plasma fields, you know, like that arc welding thing you're talking about. And sometimes you can actually see a perfectly well-shaped Bigfoot, but it's all made out of electrical plasma. And, um, and that's real weird when you see that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I would think so. You know, they're energy. They're actually energy, and 
They're, they can, I mean, in my opinion, mm-hmm. they can appear as any form they want to in this dimension. Their default form is actually a ball of energy. Well, do you think that's and our, is that I, our default form? Is. Henry, is that, is that our default form as balls of light? Is that our natural state? Is that your opinion? I think it might be, yeah, it might be, when without our body. Without our body, I think that's what we are. So when we die, we go back to that default form. You know, our energy's in this body right now, but like when we croak, mm-hmm. we go back to just being a ball of energy. Is that that's my theory. Charles, as far as like seeing little faces. Your mileage may bear. Charles, when you see little faces inside these orbs, I'm sure you've seen photographs of people that talk about the faces and orbs. Right, right. Is that your opinion that we're seeing the essence of the person and their true essence as a ball of light? I'm, I'm open to the possibility. I'm not convinced, but I, I'm open to that possibility. Um, when you bring up the subject of orbs, the, the non-believers will always bring up dust. And it, it's a good, valid point. A lot of times you'll see dust, moisture, insects. And then, like you said, you have the people that say the orbs, they can see faces. And, and I've heard that many times. Um, I don't really know what to make of it. It's kind of a, sometimes they'll offer examples. I do see it. But I, I don't know if it's just the minds uh, picking out a pattern or, or if it's actually a soul. I don't know. Well, these are things, too, that you've seen with your own eyes without a camera, right? right. I mean, you've seen orbs while you're investigating with, without right. a camera. Um, all right, I want to ask you both something more difficult here. The, the essence of darkness or the essence of there being a negative quality and evilness to this phenomenon of, of ghosts What's your opinion on what that is? Is it a vibrational state? Is this the nature of evil as defined by, you know, scripture? Where do you guys stand with the idea of there being darkness attached to the spirit world? And what is it? Would you like me to go first? Sure, um, go ahead, Charles. Okay. Charles? Um, I, I consider myself uh, from the Christian belief Mm-hmm. I, I believe there's an actual Satan and and demons. I think a lot of times when people are contacted by uh, their supposed loved ones, that it, in it could be demonic, uh, just them pretending to be their loved ones because they know that person is wanting to hear from that person. Um, that's my viewpoint. I I believe there is a Satan. So what is it? What does evil want, Charles? Why why would evil even care about us if it has bigger fr- fish to fry? Why why invest in the physical world if the spirit world is the ultimate, you know, payoff? Why why bother us? I think it's about destruction. Uh, I think Satan knows that our Creator loves us and is important to him. So mm-hmm. it's all about destruction. So destruction of the human soul? Uh, of individuals, yes. Okay. I mean, is this all about souls in the end? 
I think it is. I think when it comes down to it, mm-hmm. uh, cut and dry, it's it's all about souls. Okay. What do you think, Henry? What What's the nature of there being a negative quality to the spirit world, and what's your opinion on it? I well, complex question. So I'm a lapsed Christian. I don't believe in Christianity anymore. I believe much more in line with uh, the Native American. Uh, it's called the Seven Drum Religion. There is no hell. There's only the happy hunting ground. There's no hell. That's a Western thing. Um, Native Americans, you die, you go to the happy hunting grounds, period. There's no choice. Your behavior in this world doesn't affect that. I think there's good spirits and bad spirits. You know, I do think there there are, there are different kinds of spirits and you really have to check when you run into one as to what vibes you get. I deal with it on a case-by-case basis. I think some, when you run into them, do not have your best interest at heart. I don't know what they're up to, but it's not good. And others, when you run into them, they do seem to be really friendly. And you can tell from the vibes you get from them. If you get like loving vibes, they're the good ones. If you get scary vibes, they're the bad ones. And so on a very uh, intuitive level, you have the ability to identify whether a spirit's evil or not as soon as you face it. Now, yeah, that you know, other people could call that demonic and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, I mean, I know I'm, I'm at odds with, like, pretty much 99% of everybody by saying this. So I'm okay with that, you know, because I'm not, I just don't buy the entire Christian thing or the Muslim thing or the Jewish thing. I just don't buy any of this. You go to hell, you've got to like be a good guy so you avoid hell. I think it's all crap. I think that um, that's not how it works here on this life. <laughs> but, you know, I wouldn't begrudge anyone else having a different opinion because, you know, I I don't really see my role as trying to convince other people of my model of the universe and my views. But um, yeah, that's what I think. I don't think there's, <laughs> I think evil is usually comes from people and evil usually comes down to Um, well, a couple of things, but one thing it always comes down to is no compassion at all for other living things and you hurt other living things. Mm -hmm. And when a person hurts other living things, you know, that's kind of like the Buddhist thing where if you hurt any other living creature, you're fucking up. That's kind of where I think evil comes from too. Evil evil really comes from man, not from spirits. And it really comes from man um, a lot of times thinking that he knows what God wants 
and he's going to create the world that God wants. Right. And that's how we get Hitler. And that's how we get Donald Trump. So, you know, those are the kinds of things I'm talking about is those people generate evil because they want to remake the world over in their vision of heaven. Mm-hmm. And that's almost always where it comes from, in my view. So Anyhow, people are going to, yeah, people, people will have a worldview about how they approach the unknown because it is the unknown and they want to explain it. So they, you know, they need a worldview to kind of lean on, be it science or religion um, or, you know, somewhere in between, which may be kind of where I am. But um, when it comes to the idea of having faith, there seems to be something to that, like the idea of belief in something as as a deterrent to something that I would call evil. So do you think it's just the notion of belief in, let's say, or, you know, an icon, like a religious icon, like a crucifix, is the belief itself in that what is the power, not so much the cross. Um, I'm not just going to, you know, use the cross or anything, the Star of David, whatever. Is it the belief that is working or is it the, the object itself and the power behind it? What do you think, Charles? That's a great question. Um, I, would, I would probably put my yeah. money behind just the faith, but that's not to say the, the other is not true as well. But I would think it would be the, the belief and the faith. So faith in what? As like as in the cross, what mm-hmm. happened on the original cross that Christ died on, and that that meaning behind it. So you're saying the your own personal faith, Charles. But have you seen other people while you're out on a ghost hunt? Um, let's just say there's no atheists in foxholes. Have you ever been out with somebody who had? Uh, a different point of view and then suddenly said, Oh my God, pray to God, pray to Jesus. <laughs> you know, that to this day that has not happened, but I wouldn't be surprised. I'm expecting it one of these days. <laughs> right. Have you ever uh, been, have you ever been attacked Charles while you're out on an investigation in any way? You, you know, I, I haven't, especially on the shows and the other media you'll hear about people getting scratched and so forth and so on. Mm-hmm. I I haven't experienced that. I think it happens, but I have not experienced that. Have you ever been attacked Henry? And if so, describe the altercation. Nope. Never had anything bad happen. Only good. Okay. Never had a, never. Yeah. That's the thing is I've never had a, never had an unpleasant experience. I've been, I don't know why, but I've just been really lucky. I've, the spirits have been nice to me. That, that's what I say. I don't know why, but they have. Is that your experience too, Charles? Um, yes. Overall, nothing negative. I've, I've been drained to the point of feeling extremely tired. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that was a negative. I think they just needed energy. Um, right. We've never, like I said, we've never been scratched. Uh, 
or anything like that before. As far as the nature of, you know, how ghosts or spirit forms are interacting with us, what would cause something like that to lurk? I mean, what, what is it about um, people that have these stories here about things that sound very demonic uh, existing in spaces like that? I think it's them. I think some people attract negative spirits and some people attract positive spirits. I think it's actually the individuals involved. And um, I've seemed to observe that in, in my life that, um, you know, some people, well, backing up for a second, rather than faith, what I believe is the power of positive thinking is infinite and very, very powerful. And that goes for negative thinking, too. If you think negatively, you can attract all this kind of weird shit to you, and it'll just, you know, invade your life. But I think it comes down to the person. That's my, th that's my view. Well, so are you saying, Henry, that your perspective, your point of view, your mood, um, if you have a lot of, you know, deep rooted anger and you know resentment in your heart can that attract uh you know negative spirit forms to your to your house i mean in your life is yeah what? yeah, yeah. Uh, yes that's what i'm saying yes that's exactly what i'm saying um it extends to rock music oh i, because, I like this one go ahead because the electric guitar summons negative spirits, whereas the acoustic guitar does not. But um, not always, but if you were looking at probabilities, the electric guitar is really like a, a negative spirit summoning device. And the other instruments are not so much that way. So you're saying because it's, a, it's plugged in, it's an electric guitar, why would... Why would it matter? I don't know why. It's just the okay. nature of that instrument. That instrument seems to um, attract negative spirits. So I don't you, know why. Are you saying that the, the, the parents of the 1950s were right, that rock and roll is going to bring about, you know, <laughs> sex, drugs, and Certainly rock and roll? Not. <laughs> right. No. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm trying. I'm, I guess I am saying that rock and roll can summon the devil. So <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, now, but you're a, you're a drummer too, right? But but acoustic, acoustic. What? Yeah. Now, are you a drummer? Yeah. Well, you play drums with uh, Kirk, right? Yes. So I mean, I've, the as far as I, like the African I've drumming to drum, you know, this is another discipline of bringing about spirit forms. What about drumming? What's your opinion on bringing about spirits through drumming? Oh, man, it works great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's, uh, there's some, uh, well, the master musicians of Jujuka actually have it down to a science. And, uh, Bashir Attar is the name of the leader of the master musicians of Jujuka. And they can play drum beats that summon Pan. 
And they've had a tradition of being able to do that for thousands of years in Jajuka, Africa. And um, they play a weird beat and play weird music with it. And they summon Pan to come dance with them. They also have a beat that they can play, mm -hmm. which cures people of mental illness. And they tie them to a stake in the middle of the village and they play this drum beat to them and it heals their mental illness. And I know this sounds completely off the wall, but I actually know this guy. <laughs> so, and he's for real. Charles, it's, you know, when you're out in the, uh, in the field there, do you ever use musical instruments to try to summon, summon spirits? And what it, first of all, what do you think about summoning spirits uh, in general? Would you ever use something like a Ouija board or would you ever scry? Or what, what's your opinion on summoning? You know, uh, as, a, as a rule, we never use like a Ouija board. Mm -hmm. But I might be very hypocritical as far as uh, using like the flashlight for a yes, no. I don't know if it's the same thing. You start thinking about it; it's kind of the same thing, I guess. But right. uh, we we never use a, a Ouija board. Um, we we did uh, at one time. We went to a Native American place and played some Native American music. Mm -hmm. And on our, on one of our recordings, we got a flute playing in the background. A which flute. Was, yeah, which was not there at the, the time of the recording. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah, I've, I've heard said flute before with my own ears. Um, oh, wow. I don't, I don't think we ever caught it on audio, uh, but we definitely have heard it more than once. But was it in a Native American area? That's, that's yet to be determined, but what was interesting about it is that we were using a flute to see if we could elicit you know, Sasquatch activity. And then right. we, left, we left the flute in the woods to see if they would take the flute with them. Only they left the flute and they started doing an imitation of one note in particular off of the flute. So periodically over three months, we would hear that single note up in the trees day and night. Um, Interesting. Far and near. But so, um, so they copied that one note? Yeah, they, they eventually learned two notes, um, whatever they are, I don't know, but um, we, we just had a feeling that it was probably related to Sasquatch activity, but it's also very reminiscent of Skinwalker Ranch. We coined it the Skin Twin. You know, of course, <laughs> at a lot of these places here where there's UFO and Bigfoot activity, there's also poltergeist activity. It seems like every time all three of those things go right. entrenched, but that makes no sense if we're talking about things that are from, you know, different spots on the star map or dimensions. I mean, maybe it makes perfect sense, I guess, if they're all coming through these open doorways or these thin veils. I don't know why, why would UFOs be related to this? Anybody have any guesses to the? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Why, Henry? <laughs> well, 
Because Sasquatch, these balls of energy that I'm talking about, are the brains of the planet. We are the caretakers. And when another species wants to come and talk to the people running Earth, they talk to Sasquatch. They don't talk to us. So they come and visit them, not us. And in fact, some of the craft are Sasquatch craft. Because the Sasquatch are, in fact, super scientists. I call them hillbilly super scientists because they, they have the aspect of a hillbilly and the aspect of a super scientist. They're fantastic engineers, really fantastic engineers. Their engineering is so good, it looks like magic to us because it's so far more advanced than ours. And all the other species in the Federation recognize Sasquatch as the actual species that runs Earth. We are the dumb ants that live here. We are not in their league. All the other aliens don't even think we're an intelligent species. That's what I think. So... The Sasquatch are not uh, slaves to any one particular alien race. Is, you know, I get no. periodically, like Linda Moulton Howe told me once that uh, she's taken reports of people that have been abducted and seen Sasquatch on the same shuttle ride. Well, yeah, Sasquatch can take a ride on them when they're in that form with a body, mm -hmm. but... Um, the only thing I know about Sasquatch and the other creatures is that there's another species of something. You know, this is a whole other order of life, the order of life of all the creatures that are basically balls of energy. And that's a whole other order of life. And we're actually of that order of life, but we're in bodies, so we don't even know it. And only when we die do we figure it out. But there's lots of these creatures and Sasquatch, there's one of them that Sasquatch acts like a puppy dog with. They, they just love to bask in the glow of this other kind of energy ball. They act like, they act like dogs. Happy dogs coming up to their human master and going, hey, 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 you wanna hang out? You know, like, hey, let me just like sit at your feet. And I don't understand that yet. I don't know why that is, but I know it is. And um, it doesn't seem to be a, any kind of slave thing going on. I don't think the aliens really think at all like we do. <laughs> and um, the slave thing may not be something that they're uh, really uh, part of. I think that might be human fear. They More seem fear. to be, well, human, they don't seem to have any interest in enslaving us or anything, you know, or enslaving Sasquatch. I don't think you really can enslave a creature that is actually a ball of energy. You know, I don't think it's possible. You know, when Whitley Strieber was like, asked, Whitley, when Whitley Strieber uh, was asked about his abduction, um, it took him years to figure out that there was a link to his abduction and 
what he called death. Um, and he never really quite figured out what he even meant by that. But he, he still feels that his abduction has something to do with the soul and with death. Do you guys have any idea why death would have anything to do with alien abductions? Is it the interest of the soul? Is the soul a prized possession? Is it the energy that they can harvest? It was what I was telling you about before, actually, is my view. The, um, death is balls of energy vibrating at a different speed than the balls of energy in us right now. All that really changes with death is we go faster or slower. And so when you get abducted and you go to the level of reality that the aliens live on, why they vibrate at a different speed than we do also. Their awareness vibrates at a different speed. In fact, they're a much more advanced creature, so they can change the speed that their awareness vibrates at. And by simply doing that, they can move between the dead dimension and the living dimension and all the other alien dimensions where the aliens, quote unquote, aliens live. I think that this reality is a superposition of many, many frequencies of awareness and the aliens move in them and Bigfoot moves in them, but we don't. We're a less evolved life form that is stuck in our, at our speed. We can't actually, until we die, go at a different speed. Right. But they can. They can all the time. They can, they can slow down and speed up their awareness, vibration of their awareness, and they can travel. So, so yeah, when you're abducted, you're basically going to be vibrating at a different speed because you're going to the, where the aliens live, their dimension. And that's why you can't remember anything very clearly because your brain is set to vibrate at this speed. And when you're put in another reality where everything else is vibrating at a different speed, mm -hmm. you don't really have very good perceptions about things. You don't really, you're not able to think very well and you're not able to see very well or perceive very well. So yeah, they're, they're total. And not only are they related like that, like it's just a matter of which uh, speed you're going down the highway at, but it always has been that way. And if you study maps to a ridiculous degree, you'll see that the Chinook jargon here where we live, and actually out in Spokane too, actually for all of us, places that are named Skookum often occurred next to places named Memeloose. And you almost always have a Memeloose right next to a Skookum. Memeloose is the Chinook word for place of the dead. Skookum is the Chinook word for place where the evil god of the woods lives. So that association is very old between Bigfoot and Memeloose. And then I found in my personal experience that if you go to those places where Memeloose places and Skookum places are next to each other, you often see UFOs there. So I think that there's a real strong connection between those things. They're all part of the same phenomenon. They're all 
living beings moving between different speeds of vibration and thus traveling to different realities. If you shined a, a laser in your eye and found the speed that your awareness was blinking on and off at and had the laser match it, so it blinked on and off at the exact same speed that your eye is blinking on and off, and then you change the laser speed a little bit to try to get the eye to go a little faster or slower, you would disappear. And with that, Henry Franzoni disappeared himself. And so did Charles Howard, for that matter, due to a technical glitch. But I think we got enough of the flavors of the conversation to have a episode for episode seven of of Strange Brow Radio. Now listen, if you want to be a part of the show, you can get a hold of me at strangebrowradio.com. Give me some you know, suggestions as to a guest idea, or if you want to be in a, a witness, an anonymous witness at that, uh, we can have a conversation over the phone, we can have it on video, we can do uh, you know, pretty much any way you like it. Coming up on the 9th of this mar- month, I guess the 9th of March, we're having our Tasmanian Tiger live conference at the Axe and Fiddle. That's going to be with Neil Waters and uh, Alex Evans. Neil Waters is a Tasmanian or a thylacine witness and has dedicated a good part of his life trying to prove that the thylacines are repopulating in Australia. And so we'll have him live from down under. And then come July 13th, we have a uh, another live event, The Secrets of the Sasquatch. That'll be a different conversation about the Bigfoot phenomena, and I'll tell you more about that soon. And then in August, uh, the second Saturday of every month, we're having William Becker come in and teach a psychic class, and then uh, he'll be inside the uh, actual saloon where we do our live events and have a presentation. Then, of course, our E-SETI retreat on Labor Day weekend, and more about that later on down the road. Again, check out Feral by Aaron at Etsy.com, shaman-inspired, beautiful museum-quality spirit tools at Feral by Aaron at Etsy.com. All right, thank you for tuning in yet again. We will be back, as I said, every Monday. Any questions, again, reach out, strangebrowradio at gmail. Dot com will be here again in seven days, seven short days. We'll see you in the trees.